I'll never forget the first time somebody mentioned John Calvin to me. And the comments related to John Calvin were that he was this cold, ruthless, heartless theologian of God's sovereignty and election. It's not an uncommon perception of John Calvin. However, I am convinced now, after reading Calvin for the first time many, many years ago, that whoever claims Calvin to be cold and calculating and heartless obviously has not read John Calvin. I am one who, after reading him, was extraordinarily taken by the approach that Calvin takes to his theology. One of the first things that stands out to me is a man who was reacting to the philosophical speculation of the Middle Ages is that John Calvin was very careful not to throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, because Calvin was first and foremost a student of the scripture. He was an extraordinary exegete. And he was very careful in his theological study to make sure that what he wrote, what he thought, and the way that he formulated his ideas were thoroughly biblical and non-speculative in nature. It's frankly that approach that has become what I hope to be the very course of my own labors here at Westminster as well as my colleagues here as we seek to do the work of biblical and theological study to be non-speculative, just as John Calvin has led us to be. Calvin was also, as you even consider his institutes, uh, one who had a profound sense of the unfolding of revelation. While there are many loci or categories of theology in John Calvin's work, what stands out is that Calvin fully understood that over the course of history that God has revealed himself in a progressive way. The place that I think that typifies that in Calvin perhaps better than anything else, though you do see it thoroughly in his commentaries as well as in his institutes, but is the, the preface that he wrote to the Geneva Bible back in 1550. Uh, the, the title of that is Christ, the End of the Law. And in that extraordinary piece that John Calvin wrote, he unfolds for us in such eloquence and with such extraordinary precision the nature of God's unfolding revelation that culminates in the Lord Jesus Christ. I was speaking with a student yesterday who has been exposed to John Calvin in his time here at Westminster. And he commented how it really was noteworthy that John Calvin's perspective on the, the, the nature of God is never in the abstract. In other words, John Calvin doesn't consider God and his attributes in some way that divorces God from his Trinitarian character. God is fully Trinitarian, and John Calvin doesn't see that Trinitarian theology as something that is merely philosophical or speculative, but indeed the very way in which God reveals himself through the pages of Scripture. One of the most quoted sections of John, Cal of John Calvin's Institutes is in Book 3, the very opening chapter of Book 3 in which John Calvin expresses the redemptive work of Christ, all that he has done, but he makes the point that it is all for naught if it is not for the ministry and work of the Holy Spirit applying all that Jesus Christ has done for us. 
So for John Calvin, the notion of Trinitarian theology is, is not mere abstraction, but it is at the heart of the gospel. And it is very much the, the framework through which he argues uh, the nature of God, the nature of redemption through his institutes. John Calvin also, as I mentioned earlier, has often been caricatured as one who is cold and calculating, as heartless. As you read his institutes, as you read his commentaries, and in fact in recent years some of his reflections from the Psalms have been isolated in volumes that help us to appreciate this in a wonderful way, but John Calvin was deeply pastoral in the way that he wrote. When you read Calvin, clearly you will find your intellect um, probed and challenged, but there is no way in which you can read Calvin without having your heart touched. Calvin was a man who, though he dealt with uh, very, very strong polemics at times, attacking error, Calvin was one who was careful to do that in a pastoral way, and you see in his writing that deeply uh, rooted commitment to speaking truth in love. And Calvin was very direct, but he was also immensely pastoral. John Calvin's approach to theology, I would say, is perhaps typified by his, uh, what I would actually characterize as his doxological approach. Calvin was one that I think sought to emulate, frankly, the New Testament writers in his own writing. I'm reminded of the opening, for example, to Paul's letter to the Ephesians, in which he begins by declaring, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in that first 14 verses of Ephesians chapter 1, Paul is expressing the the manifold wisdom of God and the redemption of man by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And yet, yet Paul is very careful in all of that to express praise and honor to God. Well, that's what characterizes John Calvin's theology as well. He's one who speaks of God's glorious existence, of God's masterful plan as one who is fully humbled by it, broken by his own sin, and yet marveling at the way in which God in his infinite wisdom has sought man out has brought a people to himself through his very own son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I think that doxological approach is frankly something that we today need to be reminded of, that often in our theological pursuits we think that we need to be innovative and creative without thinking that the real task of theology is not to be creative so that we draw a name for ourselves, but actually that we are careful to think God's thoughts after him and to do a better job of saying this is indeed how God has revealed himself by studying his word and giving glory to him by the very methods that we use, the attitude that we use when we approach the word of God, when we approach the scriptures. I've spent several years studying the doctrine of adoption in particular. And when I think of John Calvin um, and the way in which he handles that doctrine, I think Calvin truly grasps the real magnitude and beauty of that doctrine. Uh, our wonderful Reformed heritage uh, is, uh, as articulated in the Westminster Standards, the Westminster Confession of Faith is the very first confessional document to have a separate chapter on the doctrine of adoption. It's a rich 
explication of the benefit of adoption. But when you look at Calvin, Calvin even takes it a step further because Calvin describes adoption as that doctrine which actually embraces the totality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is why one particular theologian describes John Calvin's gospel as the gospel of adoption. It is a, it is a gospel that is fully revealed by God himself in the person of Jesus Christ, and that familial cast to the gospel as it is unfolded in God's old covenant people, Israel as son, as Paul speaks of in Romans 9. Calvin understands that in the unfolding of Revelation, that the preciousness of adoption is fully realized in God's unique begotten Son and by our union with him. Finally, John Calvin was a man that was not unfamiliar with suffering. He suffered the loss of his wife, the loss of his only son, and because of those things, John Calvin, along with the suffering that he endured in Geneva with the, the authorities there in that city, John Calvin found himself before God, trusting in him. The very theology that John Calvin had written about was a theology that was not merely an intellectual thing for him, but it was something that was deeply part of the fiber of his heart and of his soul and of his own faith. It called John Calvin to go back to those scriptures, to not be speculative not only about theology but about life and to trust the very God whom he studied, whom he wrote about, to be the one that would lovingly bring him to glory. I think this mode of operation that John Calvin used in his theology and lived in his life is the very thing that ought to call us today to be non-speculative, but to rest and trust with full confidence in God's word and to be students of it, not for our glory, but for his alone.